Ett lite stökigt rockbotten idag kanske. Ja. Jag kanske måste springa iväg för vi ja. befinner oss nämligen på Rock City Stockholm. Vi sitter i backstage i catering. Ja, jajamän. Och jag är presentatör här så jag måste springa iväg och presentera ett band. Men vi har kastat oss över ett av de coola banden från Amerika. Ett klassiskt band. I middagen sitter vi här med House of Lords. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. In the middle of dinner. We're so sorry to interrupt. Just so people can identify your voices here, just shout your name here and say hi. Hi, I'm James Christian. Hello, everyone. I'm Jimmy Bell. There you go. I remember uh, when this band started, actually, uh, and I, I, I met you <laughs> a long time ago, uh, but it was brief. Uh, but it, 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 you signed with Simmons Records, right? Yes. What show did you see us at? Oh God, I saw so many shows. I was, saw, I, I've been to America 90 times. Uh, we did Scorpions and Ozzy Osbourne. Those were cheap tricks. You did Cheap Trick too. And cheap the Nelson. Nelson, I think it was. Yeah, because I, I met Nelson. In the, US, in the US? Yeah, in the US, yes. Okay, that's probably where you met. Yeah. It's quite early on in your career. I remember we did an interview in a photo session somewhere in LA, I think it was. But... I, I, I did that every day for years. <laughs> Could you ever imagine when you signed with Jim Simmons, Simmons Records, that's like three decades ago, that you will still be around as a band? I, you know, I prayed that it would happen that way. Everybody does. Nobody wants it to end. So um, there was a period of time that the, um, the grunge, Nirvana, Pearl Jam um, music style took Seattle, over yeah. and kind of put mm-hmm. us out of business for about 10 years. You were in hiatus but, for a couple of times, right? But, but, you were in sort of a hiatus yes, for a couple exactly. of times? Yeah, because of that, because of the uh, musical change, mm-hmm. that getting a record deal was not the easiest thing to do because everything had changed. So many bands got dropped Right, exactly. Well. But we were fortunate because we had done three albums before that, that when things started going back and people started getting interested in melodic rock again, that we had enough of a track record to recover. And, and so, enough of a following. Right. What, yeah. what, what was the first sign you saw that the era of the 80s... It's in my mind. To an end. We, were, we had a Demons Down album party in, in Las Vegas. And um, Gene Simmons put together a party with all the... Um, Um, record promoters and uh, DJs throughout the country threw them all in and they all praised the record they said we love this record it's amazing and one DJ from Boston I'll never forget said I love this record he goes but it's a shame that it came out when it did because the music industry has changed and our programming is going more toward Pearl Jam and um, Nirvana and Nirvana and I thought at that time I really didn't believe him but he was right So it was kind of a heartbreak and a, a depression. Uh, I felt very um, low because we worked so hard on Demons Down. Because mm-hmm. you, you you weren't in, uh, in, in par with your time. Then, oh, yes, um, we we were we were um, we were recording as if everything was the same way, not realizing that the music industry was changing before our eyes. Right. And it happened to a lot. And of it men. took people by surprise because yeah. it went so it took fast. Everybody. Took everybody. I remember going, you know, the, the whole of the 80s. I was in the pit 
in front of great bands like yeah. Motley Crue and Kiss and it was big shows and everything. And then all of a sudden I found myself at an Alice in Chains show with people, you know, playing well, with no lights. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know the, their backs turned against the audience. It was boring. You know, here's the thing. And, and the, um, a, a record executive, who I won't name, told me the reason. You can sign 20 garage bands and if one of them sticks, you've got it. But to sign a band like a, a House of Lords or Motley Crue or bands like that, these are half a million dollar deals. They spend $20,000 on these garage bands and they, they'll sign 20 or 30 of them. They only have to get one of them to work. And that's the way the, the industry changed. Um, all those big uh, record contracts went out the door. But also, again, a lot of bands change their image yeah. suits yeah. whatever what First was on the market. Uh, yeah. we, we were told to do that, but I, I actually tried it, and I really suck mm-hmm. at doing alternative. Uh-huh. To me, it's not like you really have to have um, whatever it is. Like a, um, if, if you grow up in that era and you, and you sing it, it's yeah. not really like vocalizing the way I remember it, which is really trying to be precise. Vocalizing as an alternative is being honest. It doesn't matter if you're good, bad, indifferent. It just means you have a, a character or a feel. Uh, anybody can be a rock star type of... Um, um, honest slash sloppy. <laughs> Thank you. But where do one draw the line between evolving one's music to stay relevant for oneself and, and to to evolving to fit the market and, and you know, yeah, business? But, but the thing is, you could try fitting the market. Uh, yeah. Warren tried it and oh, they yeah. failed. A lot of bands tried yes, it, but none of them really succeeded. You right? can't. It's a different style. Yeah. It's like... It's like um, a rock band trying to be a, um, a pop band, or a, 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 if you don't have it within you to understand the market, because the market knows what they want. Like uh, people that were listening to Nirvana, and, and I'm telling you, I thought Nirvana was really creative at what they did, but it's not what I could sing. Only people that came from that genre could yeah, do that. It had to be uh, I, yeah, honest and real. Right. I came from the journeys in the White Snakes and 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 the singers market, and that's what I was trained to do and what I um, worked at all my life. So to change direction and try to be something I wasn't, better to stop. I think one of the only bands that actually survived that transition was Bon Jovi. They managed to yeah, get keep the faith. A completely different sounding album. But it, it worked. It did. But for a lot of other bands, it did not. It did. I wish it <laughs> Kiss did. struggled like crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I would... Well, Kiss... The, the good thing about Kiss was they had an army. And believe me, yeah. that was a real, <laughs> real army. These people were like... I mean, like they were like devoted to that band. It didn't matter what they did. They loved them. Yeah. I, I they could go out and do nursery rhymes and they would buy that too. <laughs> Let's get back to House of Lords now. What was your inspiration for Saint of the Lost Souls? Saint of the Lost Souls was just a, um, a period in time where um, where the Saint of the Lost Souls is a, a, a period of time where people were looking for something um, a little bit more. They were searching for direction. Mm-hmm. And the Lost Souls were people who had nothing. People who had actually lost um, hope in, in life. And, it's, and it goes a lot deeper. But people who have actually given up. And Saint of the Lost Souls is a, a, a message that that you can you can recover from any um, obstacle if you try hard enough. Mm-hmm. And the Saint of the Lost Souls are all of us that try and try and try and go, oh, I give up. And, um, no, absolutely. 
So that could be to a fugitive or, or, or a musician or whoever. Or it could be a musician. It could yeah. be anything that you do in life. There are people that try to do something in their in their life, and then and then they fail and they fail and they fail and they give up. And there's a there's an actual saint for the lost souls. I and I forgot his name. We, we researched it before we wrote the song, uh-huh. but he, he has a name, and the name of that uh, saint is for you pray to this uh, particular saint, who is a saint of the lost souls okay. for people who have actually. I think given his name. Up. I think his name is Jimmy Bell. Jimmy Bell. <laughs> saint Bell. <laughs> but 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 again, there is a saint. If you look it up, he is the saint of the lost souls. Okay. People who have really lost direction. Um, don't know where they're going, given up on um, pursuing anything further because they, they weren't able to. Mm-hmm. So it's a direction of hope. Most people, um, I, don't, I don't know if they get that deep into the lyrics. Some people do. And some people would rather hear a song called Bangin', which is about, you know... I have to ask a fan question. I love the video for Harlequin. I love that. What oh. was that show? What was the location for that? Harlequin oh, I, that was, was, was just... Uh, that was a real weird one. And it really was because... Um, and of course, it's the one that stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> Harlequin, um, we that, all... That's, a, that's in Connecticut where, 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 where James grew up. But where, I'm, where I'm from, mm-hmm. BJ. And um, the song was recorded at, um, we, we filmed at old Norwich Insane Asylum. Mm-hmm. It's an old insane, really? insane yeah. Oh. It's an old insane asylum that got shut down in Norwich, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. It's been abandoned. It was like, they had a, uh, an orphanage there, and then there was a lot of really bad things that happened there oh. at that and asylum. And they shut it down yeah. because of all the bad things that oh. happened. And it was, the vibe must have been right. like, oh my God. And it was, it was said that it was, um, that it was haunted. So we decided to record it there. Harlequin being, um, it's just uh, behind the mask of everything. We all live behind this mask, and we think we know who we are, but we don't know who we are. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole idea of Harlequin being, um, we don't really live in our true identities. Everybody has a, a secret of some sort. And the, and the Harlequin is laughing at us because he knows our secrets. So. so the location was actually picked not only because it, was, it looked it really cool, real, but... But the weirdest part of that our, that um, video was when they said it was haunted, the guy that owned that property told us that it was haunted and that he had proof that things had happened there. So we were doing the video... And I was doing one take, as just singing. Yeah. And we were, and it was a regular, normal day. And I'm singing, and I'm singing great. Every room was different. We go into this one particular room, and I start singing, and all of a sudden, there's smoke coming out of my mouth. I swear to God, no other room in that whole place did that. It got from a temperature of normal yeah. to a temperature where I was singing, and there was smoke coming out of my mouth. And I thought, this is very strange, and I didn't feel very comfortable. I didn't say anything about it. Then when the video was done, the uh, director pointed out that there was one scene in that particular room where there was a person with his arms out right behind me, and I swear to God, I'll show it to you, I'll leave mm-hmm. it to you, and a little child with his hands up like this. Oh, my God. And uh, when I looked at it, and when I looked at it, I went... Are you fucking serious? Did you did you do something to this camera? He said no. And in that uh, video, it was that was a children's asylum. The room yeah. that we were in was a children's asylum. So what we figured was that was a child and the parent 
next to each other. Oh, and you God. could see it as clear as day. It's not like he had to imagine it. No. It was there. And I thought, this is the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life. I don't believe in, I believe in heaven and hell, yeah. in, in God, but I don't know, I didn't know how to figure this out. It was Wow. It was weird. So Harlequin became one of those songs that even when I play it, I get like a weird feeling. <laughs> you know, I don't ever want to play this song. Anymore. Everyone has to check it out. Really? Yeah. yeah. You know, that's what I used to say. It's like, check this thing out. And I, I would I would say, at this, uh, three minutes or whatever in two seconds, look at that fireplace. Wow. That fireplace has a, a person, a woman or a man, and a little child with their hand up. I thought there was some... Fuck off expensive effects. <laughs> no. It's a real they, deal. Yeah, that's right. That was a real deal. It was filthy in there. And I said to myself, this is the worst. I mean, my I, I had to clean my clothes off after every take from the wow. dust and the, and the crud in that room. But the, the vibe, you could never build a set that was as real as that. that What's even better really about cool. this is that... A friend of mine who uh, filmed the video for us mm-hmm. went down to check, you know, to scope out the building. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy that lives next door to the, the uh, building. There's several buildings. One side of the street is owned by uh, uh, the, the Indian tribe, Mohegan Sun, you mm-hmm. know, the, where they own the casino and everything. The other side is owned by my friend, by his guy. And... Uh, so he, my, my, my friend goes to the property and a guy comes out of the house and goes, hey, what are you doing here, you know? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm just, you know, scoping out. I'm hoping to film a video here for um, a band. And he goes, well, what band? And he goes, House of Lords. And the guy goes, you mean Jimmy Bell? And I said, and, and my friend was shocked because uh, not a lot of people, you know, he was surprised that the guy knew the band. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that the guy who owned all the property used to work at a, a club that I played at years and years ago. Oh. And he had bought all the property, all the abandoned buildings. Wow, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, very strange. So we got to go in, and he, to- he took us on a tour throughout it. It's really freaky in there. I mean, really, oh, you can go in certain I was, rooms. I was really frightened. I'm not kidding. There's certain rooms that, you know... We, we have some photos. If you look really hard in the footage, you'll see um, when he's singing in that room, you can see orbs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, so yeah. it's, it's kind oh, of, tell me about the woman and the child. Yeah, I see, I see in a, um, I see a baby over in a corner, like where there's a, a, a frame. There's a shot where there's, a, it looks like a, a window reflection. Uh-huh. When he's singing, it's off to the, uh, the off to the right of him. And then it looks like, now we were filming in the orphanage, that yeah. section. Right. And to me, it looks like the, the, I see an image of a child with his hand up like this. Like I can see like a, a look, looks like a bit of a head and a, and a body. And then a little arm up. And then you look next to him and it looks like an adult holding the child's hand. And then, and then her body goes into the floor a little bit. But there's like, there's... Just kind of shapes that make you believe. And that, yeah, was, yeah. The only, yeah. right, and that was the only room where the smoke was kind of ma- coming oh out of God. my mouth. I would walk out of the room and breathe, and nothing happened. Oh walk back God. into that room, and they always say that um, spirits will um, actually appear or, or make themselves present in the yeah. coldest Yeah, that's what conditions. I heard, too. Yeah. So I, trust, I tested it out, mm-hmm. and I went there, and I breathed, and I... And then I went to the next room and I did it and nothing. Went to that room and it was like I was in a winter storm. 
Wow. So that, you know, and believe me, I'm a, a religious person, so I believe in, in, uh, in the heaven and hell um, scenario, but I didn't realize that the afterlife that way could actually be manifesting itself well, yeah. you rarely have to touch it wow so like I said everybody has to check that video that's out. right really Absolutely. good video <laughs> have you started writing for the next album what's in the pipeline for House I of always, Lords I always prep I always, always. I, I always got <laughs> I, I I write a lot of a lot of stuff and I, I do it with the I get together with BJ mm -hmm. a lot that's that's our system yeah. we've been doing it like that since we joined the band I'll, I'll go over and give them a well, I'll play something for him, and he'll either, he'll either say, oh, I like it, or, or then I'll, I'll forget that. But then, you, can you write when you're on tour? Or oh, I've written things. I've written things, uh, riffs and stuff. I mean, you know, we, we don't really do it. We have a, a whole different system than a lot of, you know, like, we'll, we do everything, like, him and I do all the basic tracks at his house. Uh-huh. Um, I even, we'll record a song as if we, and we don't do do them in demo form so in other words we'll record a song as if it's being used oh okay this way if by chance he really likes the song the way it is then we don't have to go in and re-record it again no. so we record it as if it's going to be used and then we we send it to james and then he'll you know he'll play some keyboard parts and then listen to the melody to see if he likes what he could come up with for melody you can and keep then, the original vibe right and then he might take a part in the middle of the song and and cut it and want to move it to the front of the song but i mean we always have some sort of a, a foundation to work from right mm -hmm. off the bat cool. and we've been doing it like that for a long time so what's in store for the rest of 2018 for the band now? Well, 2018 is um, it's going to be a busy year, but we're actually, um, my wife is going out on tour. And, um, and your wife being? Of course. <laughs> and, and then she, um, she loves House of Lords, so obviously she takes Jimmy and BJ and myself and I end up playing bass. So we go out and tour and do that part portion of it. It's mm -hmm. a lot of fun. It really is because her music is great. It's not something we don't enjoy doing. We love it. And for House of Lords, we have a lot of different shows coming up in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Got some Quiet stuff Riot. Quiet Riot. The Sweet. The Sweet. Remember the Sweet? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. So we did a couple of shows with The Sweet. Um, about two months, a month ago, and they were amazing. They really Love were. Love that band. Yeah, and it was so much fun because the, the two of us got to, um, we blended so well. Their audience loved us, and we loved them. And Sweet loved us because it all worked out, you know. You know, nobody conflicted. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't a good match. So now we're, we're planning on doing a lot, lot more shows with Sweet. But now we're doing some shows with Quiet Riot. Great. Which is ironic because my old bass player from House of Lures is in Quiet Right. Well, of course, right. yeah. So there's, there's always this little family thing that goes on. There's always something that's connecting. <laughs> I don't know what it I'm is. I'm just, just going to tell you. The people for this show is called, of, of course, the show is called Rock Bottom, as yeah. one of your songs. Right. Yeah. And I wrote the jingle and sang the jingle for, for, for this show together with Tommy Denander, who's also wrote for you, play right. guitar on one of your right. albums. He yeah. Did, right. So he didn't write rock bottom. He didn't write rock no, bottom. That was Jimmy. Jimmy yeah. came up behind. Yeah. You better not take credit for that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all connected you know, somehow. You get, you get these classic riffs, <laughs> yeah. and I think that like 30 years from now, people hear a riff like rock bottom and go, wow, that yeah. was really good. Because I know I've listened to enough riffs in my life 
like Deep Purple. Yeah, uh, you know, I remember those riffs. I mean, Rock Bottom has that lick that goes. Absolutely. Someday, somebody's gonna look yeah. back and go, "That's." I want to learn how to play. That. When we when we first got together, uh, when James called me in 2005. Yeah. Uh, I'm free and Rock Bottom were the first two songs I sent him, and I didn't. I we weren't sure if he was gonna. Be able to do it because they're they're all wholly they're different than what House of Lords mm-hmm. we were using drop tunings and everything so we we're we really wanted to push the envelope and stuff a little bit to see what he would do and then you know it, it's it's amazing that he, you know he decided to, to go with it and once he you know once he adds the keyboards and his his vocal lines and the harmonies it all of a sudden becomes a House of Lords song because it, because you can make give them the heaviest riff that like Saint of the Lost Souls is a very heavy that song has got you know you know really driving stuff and once he adds the the his vocals and yeah. everything it becomes such a, a house strong of idea. The, key, the key is always this no matter what track you have if it's a heavy metal track if you put a melodic melody on top of it it changes it, it changes the whole picture it really does melodic is meaning that you got to remember what the melody says rather than a monotone vocal mm-hmm. that you know that goes here and doesn't really uh, connect with the listener um, un- unless you're brain dead, I, I want to listen. I want to listen to a melody, of course. and I want to walk away going, "I remember that song." And and to me, that's more important than anything. So if he writes a, a heavy metal riff, I'm going to write a melodic melody and put those two together, and that's that's what we do. That's the House of Lords. That's House of Lords. With those words of wisdom, I'm going to say thank you so much. Now see if I was in the band back in 19, from the beginning in 88, we probably could have made it through the uh, grunge scene. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that grunge scene, we really, we really, really I tried singing through it going, I'm going, I don't know if I can do this. thank God you you survived that. And that you're back. And we're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. That was a great interview. Thank you so much. And I always, Always finished with saying uh, up your bottom. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.